First Saturday Lime isn't just for your coops and barns. There are so many ways to use it around your home. You can use First Saturday Lime to create a barrier around your house, your boots, and your firewood to keep unwanted bugs away. And First Saturday Lime can also be used as a whitewash, and it can be used to balance out the pH and water to prevent algae growth. No more dirty troughs. Ha ha ha. With so many uses, you really can't go wrong using this safe organic lime. So go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. Hey, Sam. Oh, hey, Bev. What you drinking over there? So I grabbed a Central State Brewing Butterfly Kisses. Oh, I almost grabbed that one. (laughs) (laughs) I did drink it, one of them, because I think I had two of them. I did drink one of them a couple weeks ago, and it was very good. So I am excited to hear what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah. It's a farmhouse ale with hibiscus flowers. So I was like, this sounds delicious. I still have both of mine. I've been afraid to open one of them because I didn't want to drink it and then accidentally drink the other one and then (laughs) have it for the podcast because it's totally my luck. (laughs) Mm, It smells good. Yes. It kind of reminds me of the, um, I learned it from watching you with that flowery, but it's different. Oh, yeah. What are you drinking over there? So I have also a beverage from Central State Brewing, um, the Blackberry. Mm. And it's a sour ale with blackberry and lactose. And it's a really pretty purple color um, as I'm pouring it out. It's very berry-y. I've been waiting on this one because it does come in a pint. Um so I wanted to make sure that I was recording and drinking responsibly when I drink such a big beer with a six point percentage. So, but it's really good. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, it, we are not sponsored by Central State Brewing. If they wanted to sponsor us, I don't think we'd be mad, but <laughs> probably we're drinking not. <laughs> a lot of beers recently from there because of our little field trip from Coop Camp. <laughs> um, but yes, not official sponsor, but wouldn't be mad if they did. <laughs> They have so many good beers. Yeah, their beer is just so good. And it's our style of beer. So it was Uh really cool that we kind of stumbled upon them while we were there. It was a very um, organic interaction that we had with their brewery. It was serendipitous. Yes, that's one of my favorite words. I love using it. I mean, it was all because there was a black cat on a can. (laughs) That's what led to it. (laughs) It's true. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Woo! That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the Farm Comedy Podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. 
That's right. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby size farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up on our Patreon. Um, And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So if you go to patreon.com slash drink and farm and join our Patreon page (laughs) at the $2 level. Become a Patreon peep. Yes, (laughs) that's what I meant. Um, It's like two bucks and you get exclusive stuff, recordings, pictures. Um, So go check it out and it helps support the podcast. And speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode were sponsored by Ashley Kiernan, which is at Ashley Kiernan on Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So how are Herc's lack of balls? (laughs) (laughs) So I was hoping when I gave this update that it would be all sunshine and rainbows and good news, but... Uh. We all know how my farm is, and there are no sunshine and rainbows here. No, <laughs> that's not true. There's lots of rainbows and sunshine. But unfortunately, sometimes things just don't go the way that you planned it. And mm-hmm. Herc's second surgery is one of those things, too. Ugh. So after the surgery, it was crazy swollen. Like, it looked like, have you ever seen those sugar cube melons? They're like little tiny melons, but they're still like, you know, pretty big when yeah. you're talking about like comparing them to something being swollen to the size of them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what it looked like under oh, there. Oh, <laughs> poor Herc. Yeah. So he was super swollen. And I imagine that it was really itchy, you know, because the skin was healing. Mm-hmm. So he chewed on his stitches until he ripped every single one of them out. What a flexible little donk he is. I know. When I told the vet that he ripped his stitches out, he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't believe he did that. I'm like, uh-huh. I know. I can't believe it, too. Sorry. <laughs> is Herc actually just like a unicorn? Because nothing is going like it would for a normal donk. So it just leads me to believe like he's going to sprout a unicorn horn at any moment. <laughs> it's totally a possibility. And I would not be mad if he did. <laughs> I don't think her, your daughter would be mad either. <laughs> no. And she would totally be expecting it. So, I mean, who knows? But uh, he's been dust bathing a lot because he's so itchy and not feeling so good. Um, so I was able to get a video of him dust bathing. And, you know, when he dust bathes, he, like, spreads everything all out. You can see everything down there real easily. Mm-hmm. So I was able to grab a screen grab of that and send it to the vet and be like, okay, I already told you a stitch just fell out. But here is what it looks like. Do I have to do anything with this? Yeah. And... He called me like immediately when he saw the picture. I was oh like, shit, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> like he's being too responsive. It's making me worry. <laughs> yeah. You had the opposite problem for a while. <laughs> I did. But, you know, our conversation last week really helped me. I've just been like really short and to the point and direct. And it's surprisingly helpful. People will help you. Mm-hmm. When they understand what you need. <laughs> Imagine that, right? <laughs> I know, right? Go figure. That's good, though. You're learning different communication styles because some people can't adjust and you're learning to adjust. And that's just going to make your life easier. 
Yeah, it's already working. So thank you. So he called me right away and he got us a prescription for some antibiotics because he's like a hole that big on the (sighs) bottom of his, you know, like area. Yeah. Yes. He's like, that's a spot for dirt and manure and all sorts of disgusting Uh. things to get in. So he's like, he's got to take some antibiotics. But he did say that it will close together and heal eventually. We just have to keep it clean. So I've got the equine vetricin, which is what I've been using on it from uh, not from the beginning, but about like sometime last week, like right before his surgery. Uh And so I've been spraying that in there to clean any dirt and debris out. And I've been spraying it out with a hose. And then we got like a he had recommended a spray neosporin. But I couldn't find that because I live in like the tiniest town ever. Right. (laughs) So I got just like an antibacterial spray like for humans that has the numbing agent in it. And it comes in like an aerosol can. Okay. And I sent him a picture of that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that'll totally work. So that's what we're doing. Antibiotics, hose it down with the water, hose it down with the vetricin, spray the antimicrobial antibiotic spray with the numbing agent on it and then put him back and he seems to be doing a lot better good and i'm also really thankful because the vet was really responsive to like all of my questions and emails and whatnot so i'm feeling pretty good about his (laughs) his prognosis for this Um, (laughs) but he also recommended that we put a muzzle on him to keep him from chewing his wound open okay and when I first thought of this, I was like, what? We're going to muzzle my donkey? Like, that sounds so cruel and inhumane. Like, why would we do this to him? <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that uh, it's a totally, like, a common thing for donkey owners to have a muzzle because donkeys are really prone to overgrazing, especially in the springtime when there's new growth and whatnot. So you'll use a muzzle to slow down their eating, which will keep them from getting, like, lamenitis and stuff. Okay, what's laminitis? Uh, that's like foundering, you know, when their hoof bones shift and it makes their feet look like elf shoes. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Not good. So uh, because it's such like a common donkey item to have on hand, my neighbor had one, so I was able to borrow one for now. <laughs> nice. But I did order one and it'll be here next week. So I was like, yeah, this item totally makes sense to keep on hand, A, to keep him from chewing on any future wounds that he may have once this one, you know, gets better. But also as, you know, like a tool to use to keep him a healthy weight. So there you go. There you go. Donk. Herc. <laughs> Stop ripping your balls open. <laughs> or your Please balls. and thank you. Yeah. I'm sure the vet is just like, what is this donkey drinking (laughs) or something (laughs) oh man well I'm glad that it's headed in the right direction this time as far as like your your plan uh for him (laughs) because it's got to feel kind of exhausting after the original gelding and then the second surgery and now this like it just goes to show that sometimes when you think you got it solved you just don't and you just gotta roll with it Yeah, it's a good reminder that people that deal with animals and livestock in general, like when something doesn't go right, you have got to be like 
tenacious in caring for it and following up on it. Indeed. But it's okay. I love him, so it's worth it. Good. So today I wanted to talk about um, my goats and their latest fashion statement. Um, They are now sporting some very stylish belts, my bucks are, and my little buckling. Um, And by stylish belts, I actually mean buck aprons. Um, And I had quite a few people on the Instagram in my stories ask, what are your goats wearing? (laughs) So (gasps) let me explain myself a little bit. Um, So they're very, they're fluorescent orange and they sit around the waist. Yes. So if they fall off and you have a big pasture, you can easily see this fluorescent orange color. (laughs) That totally Uh, makes sense. Go pick it up. Um, They also come in other colors like like a neon yellow. There are black ones. Um, so these aprons are from House of Bacchus. I think I'm saying it right. Bacchus Pet Supplies. And we'll put a link in the show notes. But you might be like, see, what are you talking about? What What is an apron? What's a belt? What are your goats wearing? Um, so a buck apron looks a lot like a human apron that is tied around the buck's waist. And it creates a barrier, which makes it nearly and I'm pointing out the word nearly impossible for him to breed does. So I got my anti-breeding buck apron from this pet supply company. Um, some people try to make their own, but I was feeling kind of lazy AF about it. And they're, they kind of range between like, I think 25 and $40, depending on which ones you're going to get. Um, so it's really not that bad considering the time it would take me to go to the store, get the supplies, try to figure out how to do it. Um, I was willing to figure it out. I will point out for this, uh, this lady that runs this website, she hand makes these, I believe. So it took about two weeks to get it. Um, but that was okay because I, I figured I still had that amount of time. Like nobody was going to get knocked up in that time frame with my current setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there's a weight at the bottom of the apron that keeps it hanging straight under the middle of the buck's body. So you can imagine when a buck, even if he's just like leaning up against the, fa- the fence with his arms up or his front legs up, I should say, <laughs> um, it, it masks where he, you know, where his man parts are. Um, so when he mounts a female goat or even a male goat, um, there's no penetration. So that's another reason why I wanted it was because goats, man, they're just weird. When you get them all together, there's this like immediate dominance thing that happens and they hump each other and they're just trying to figure things out. So I didn't want any of my male bucklings being penetrated by Toot because Toot's a big boy. Oh, yeah. And I just, I don't know if it would have hurt them or not, but I didn't want to find out. Um, So that might be some of my own ignorance showing, but it made me feel better as a goat owner letting them mingle with the bucklings still being so small that at least nobody was being penetrated. (laughs) I feel like I just said penetrated a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that's interesting. Like, so because of like the way the holes line up, not to like get too graphic, I don't think that they would do that. But it's also smart to protect your animals because like you also wouldn't think that a male duck would penetrate a chicken, but they totally do and they can kill them. So yeah, and male ducks will try to penetrate male ducks and can kill them too. Yeah. 
Exactly. So I think it is better to be safe than sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like saying, oh, your goats are going to be gay or whatever. No, no, no. (laughs) Some ignorant person that is like afraid of people being different than themselves. But it's just a, yeah, you just don't know. Yes, exactly. So other than the obvious, like why use a bucket apron? And the reason why I wanted to try them was because we don't have the money really right now or the time to create separate fencing or extend our fencing. So what we've been doing recently is just kind of rotating who gets to go outside to and his weather friends or the babies and their mamas. So they were like taking turns, which logistically was a nightmare because there's only one door out and the boys they're tooting his weather friends um have access to that door all the time oh so it was a logistical nightmare and as they were getting older and they were figuring out what we were doing like i was getting headbutted in the knee quite often um and that didn't feel great so i was like you know what i want them all to be able to mingle i'm not fixing all of them um so I needed to come up with a solution. Um, so historically, though, overall for the buck apron purpose, they, these have been used because people didn't want to keep their bucks and does separated. So a lot of people are having the same problems I'm having. Um, in some parts of the world, they don't fence their livestock in. So bucks and does are together all the time. So you don't have control over that breeding. Obviously, you could, like, put the go- the girls away when they go into standing heat, but I don't know about you. I don't have time to stand there and watch if my does are standing when they're in heat or not. So this just seemed a little simpler. <laughs> not to mention, I don't know that I have the reflexes to rip him <laughs> off of her once I realize that she's in standing heat. Like, it feels like that's a little bit of a dangerous place right. to be in. Or spray him with a spray bottle or a hose or something. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, we've mentioned before goats are herd animals and they hate being alone. So you can't just like put a boy goat by itself, um, or the females by themselves, even like Diana, my doe, even when she's in with her two kids, if she's separated from everybody else, she screams her head off and it's so loud. So they like to be in their pack in their herd. They don't like to be separated. Um, so that's another reason why also bucklings can hang out with their moms and their doling sisters longer this way too. Um, because some bucklings can breed earlier than others. Um, most people separate them from their moms around two to three months of age. But by using the buck aprons, you can leave them together longer. Um, in fact, today when I was outside, uh, Mr. J and Harley Quinn were nursing off of Diana and they were born at the end of February and they were still nursing. I was looking at her otter and I was like, gosh, that looks kind of full. <laughs> and then next thing I know, they're nursing off of her. Um, now, Mr. J was castrated <laughs> and he's very, very loud. Um, <laughs> we clipped his nails for the first time yesterday, too. And he just screamed his little head off. And that's what he did when <laughs> we like put the lead on him to castrate him. So he's just a very loud boy and he loves his mama very much. So I'm glad that, you know, we went the castration route for him. But little waffles, he's not castrated. So he's sporting an apron and hanging out with all of his friends still. That's really cool. Um, and to point out an, an unexpected benefit of the buck apron that I didn't think about until after I got it and put it on him was that the apron prevents the buck from peeing on his face as much. 
he can still get it a little bit. And I can, I've seen like to kind of like position his body just right, <laughs> but it's not like the direct hit. Um, and the legs are blocked entirely. So you're not going to get urine sculled on the legs. Um, or you'll run less of a risk, I should say, because bucks are weird and they are flexible for being goats. <laughs> <laughs> So now I feel like in a while I'll be able to pet Toot's face and not reek of goat um, when I go in the house. Right. You like see him and you're like, I want to pet you. I want to love you. And you go to pat him. You're like, oh, yep. I regret this. Even just checking the apron on him and putting it back on him. Um, yeah, I'll smell like him for quite some time. So. <laughs> He's a fragrant little bugger. And since he lived in the house for a while, he just wants to love on us when he sees us. Yeah. Yes. Um, so now you might be asking, how do you use a buck apron, Sam? I was asking that. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay. I'm glad I'm not just asking questions in my <laughs> to myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sam drinks and farms things. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Sam pontificates to herself. Um, so it's not necessarily as, you know, simple as putting an apron around the buck's middle section. There is a, like a sweet spot where the apron is tight enough to stay forward, but loose enough to swing freely from side to side because that allows the weight to keep it centered below him. Um, so it, for, for toots, it's interesting because his is just around his, chest almost I would call it so it's right behind his front legs um so it's not in the middle of him and it's kind of tricky with him because you know with goats they'll bloat up a little bit if they eat and then they'll kind of go back down and if he's like standing on the fence or something um sometimes it'll just slip right off of him because you want to kind of think of it as like a dog collar where you can fit a finger under it because you don't, you want to allow for that bloating to happen and not for him to get constricted or for it to rub on his hair funny. Um, so it, it's kind of like you, you need to check it really day and in the evening to make sure he's still comfortable. Um, and you can tighten it and loosen it as, as the day goes on. Um, and then with little two, or excuse me, with waffles, he actually has one that has a chest strap and the middle strap. And that one stays on so much better. Um, and I would highly recommend that one because it's not going to fall off because you have like that fail safe of it being on the chest. I will say with waffles, he, I got, I think I got this, the small for him and he probably could have done an extra small. So sometimes his straps get a little looser faster. So you just got to keep an eye on it and make sure they're not around anything that they could get hung up on and stuck in. Kind of like with goat collars, you got to be careful with those too sometimes. Uh, make sure yeah. there's nothing that they can get stuck on. Um, same thing with this. Luckily, and I'm going to knock on wood, there's really nothing they can get stuck on <laughs> with where they're at. Um, so if you want, if you're looking at the link in the different kinds, I would highly recommend the chest strap. It does, It is kind of confusing to get on, but once it's on, it's not really going anywhere. Whereas with the middle strap, it's a little, um, it's more likely to slide down. So um, 
there are some things that you do need to consider when you're using it. Um, obviously the aprons won't work a hundred percent of the time and shit happens and they fall off or they get stuck to the side a little bit. So it's not like, um, <laughs> it's kind of like using a condom. <laughs> it's like 99% effective or whatever. Wait, aren't, aren't condoms only like 88%? <laughs> I don't know. There was that episode of Friends where Ross was really mad about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're not 100% effective. Um, things happen. Uh, again, the chest strap one seems a little more uh, reliable we'll call so maybe that's like using a condom and birth control or condom and pull out method if we're gonna get really nasty (laughs) Um, well it's like using it properly because like that's what it's all about right because like condoms are more effective if they're used properly so are goat aprons yes there we go I like that okay um so obviously this probably isn't a great strategy for you to use as the only means of birth control in your herd, but it is an option. Um, second, this might not be a great option for dairy goats because if you're talking about a mature buck hanging around, um, even without the risk of pregnancy, uh, a lot of people like to keep their dairy goat does separate from their bucks in general because they'll be rubbing on them and it can make the milk stinky. So I don't know anybody that wants milk that tastes like you just licked a buck. Yucky. Um, Some people say that they keep them together and it doesn't affect the the milk. But other people will say it. It's kind of like a little online controversy. People get really passionate about it. So you got to do what you got to do for yourself. For me, I decided to let the girls dry off because it's just not going to fit my lifestyle right now to be milking goats. But um, keep that in mind if if you will be milking your goats. Is there anything that the online world isn't passionate about? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. I thought that Everybody this stinky milk thing um, was like, you know, like a tried and true, like, yeah, bucks, bucks with the does means stinky milk. <laughs> I know, but apparently it's bullshit to some people, but... I don't, maybe I'll try it out someday. I don't know. (laughs) But I'm hoping by next year, I'll be able to have a separate pasture area for the girls. And this won't be as necessary. Um, It's just in my current situation, this is the easiest where they can all be outside during the day together. And then at night, I separate everybody back. Um, And if they want to take their little buck aprons off, we take them off. Because, you know, they totally tell me, "Um, take this off. Yeah, like I don't want to look like the grill master anymore. (laughs) Yes. So in conclusion, if you're going to try this, um, I recommend the one with the chest and the waist straps. Keep an eye on them hanging out together. Um, Check the straps regularly to make sure they're not too loose or too tight. Um, And I really do think this is a great option for a smaller herd. Maybe you have limited fencing or limited acreage um and then i do still separate them at night when they're in lockup because i can't keep an eye on them as easily so there you go that is my little review of the buck aprons and i hope that was helpful to somebody because i know bev you are feeling a little up in the air about getting a buck 
And some of it's just like the logistics and not wanting to stretch more fence, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also part of it is just, uh, I, um, so I don't know. I sometimes I think that I suffer from a bit of like sensory processing things. Like I'm really sensitive to certain things, sound is one of them but smell is also another (laughs) and like you would think like oh somebody that can't handle smells really like shouldn't be doing a farm but it's different like for some reason like the manure and stuff doesn't bother me like picking rotten vegetables and stuff bugs like none of that bothers me but there's something about the smell of the goat like of a buck It, it is like very vomit inducing to me I don't know I've heard some people say that they like the smell. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is strange. I don't I don't dislike it to the point where it makes me want to vomit, but I don't love it either. So I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> well, and it might vary from goat to goat or breed yeah. to breed. Like, I don't know, like not everybody's pee smells the same. <laughs> That's true, and I feel like that could be the title of this episode if it's not something about penetration or condoms. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have so many choices this episode. (laughs) I will say, with this Buck Apron, um, two smells less. He's not as stinky already, and it's only been like a week. Now, you will have to wash the apron, which means you can hang it up and let the rain wash it off. Oh, there we go. Um, or you can take some like dish soap and water and just scrub it, which is probably what I'll end up doing. Maybe I'll blast it off with the hose first, but you want to be careful blasting it off with a hose because it's going to hit you in the face if it's a little too powerful and nobody's going to want that. <laughs> but he himself smells less. Okay. I will say. Um, and maybe we'll, maybe in the fall, we'll have you and Jared come up or something and you can see if you can stomach to smell because that's when he was his stankiest was like in the late summer early fall <laughs> that was like his rut <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so yeah um if we can get you over the barf um inducing smell uh maybe that could be an option for you someday <laughs> Well, and one of the things we've been discussing here, too, I haven't put too much thought into it yet just because we always have so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been looking at our pasture. Our past, our whole pasture is three and a half acres. And I need to sit. I need to bush hog it because it's due for its bush hogging. Um, I usually have to bush hog it twice a year. And it's severely overdue now because the thistles are starting to come up and flower. And I'm like, no, you're not allowed to seed. <laughs> um, but... After I bush hog it, we're talking about raking all of that up and planting some trees randomly around it. Or maybe like putting in a couple of mini orchards because our current orchard is dying. There's something wrong with it. And I I don't know what it is. And unfortunately, like I don't have the funds to hire like an arborist to come out and check it out. Oh, you don't? No, I don't. (laughs) And like I'm not 100% how sure like how old the orchard is. Like Mm -hmm. I do know that they are just trees from like a big box store and it's not like that there's anything wrong with those trees necessarily it's just that they're not like heirloom varieties that last hundreds of years Mm -hmm. you know they're they're usually like hybrid varieties that are made for 
producing fruit like the best fruit that it possibly can for a short period of time and some of them aren't as disease resistant as other ones are so that might be what my orchard's issue is but anyhow (laughs) to make a short story long (laughs) because that's just what I did uh, we're thinking of planting trees out in the pasture and then fencing off different quadrants and giving gates in between some of them so that we can rotate the goats and the donkey around so that we can change, you know, like where they're foraging at and change Mm -hmm. their diet up a little bit. And by planting some trees and letting them get mature, we can give them some like bark to chew on and things to like scrape up against. And, Hmm. you know, uh, the, goats love leaves they love fruit they love branches so i'm like i could really like turn this into a really cool like goat like giant goat paradise that they just kind of work their way through (laughs) (laughs) and it also have room for a lot more goats (laughs) yes i like the way you think (laughs) so that's been like kind of in the back of my mind but i haven't fully worked out how to do it we're hoping to get some trees planted this year and because it's early july we still have time so if I can get like mm-hmm. one quadrant planted, then we can worry about fencing it this winter and then we can just kind of start working our way around every year. So I don't know. Hey Bev, do you ever feel like you just need to treat yourself? Yep, and I also feel like I need to treat my chickens. And Henny and Roo is the perfect way to treat yourself and your chickens. There's always new items to try out, including things like first aid items, treats, total surprises, and there's always something fun for the human, which is me and you. Yes, yes, I am also human, so... (laughs) And it's also important to point out that as a subscriber, you get 10% off anything in the Henny and Rue store every single time that you order. And this is perfect for items you won't be able to get enough of, like Henny and Rue's exclusive blend of herbs, the three-in-one mineral, electrolyte, and vitamin packets, and other fun items that may have been in past boxes. So don't forget to go to HennyandRue.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off your first subscription box today. And that 15% off code does change to 10% at the end of July. So be sure and subscribe right meow. Meow. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. No, we can't. No. So what is your can't even for this week? So I can't even get over the fact that a couple that has a holiday home in the country is taking a rooster and his owner to court. What? Because the rooster makes too much noise and disturbs their tranquility. Your tranquility can suck it. (laughs) I haven't even read the article. (laughs) Well, and so what struck me about this so much is that A, it's the country, so Uh roosters kind of belong there, and I feel like the sound of a rooster crowing is kind of, like, quintessential to the country. Yes, I will say, if you have more than one, they start to communicate with each other through their crowing, and that can be very annoying when you have four of them going off at once. (laughs) We have that on the regular here, but you kind of start to drown it out after a while. (laughs) Well, and the thing about it, too, was so the owner of the rooster has lived in this area. It's it's in the French countryside, so it's not in the United States. It's in the French oh, okay. countryside. Okay. Uh, she's lived in that area for 35 years. Oh, wow. And this couple that's suing her 
just has a holiday home there. So they're not even there full time. They're like people from the city that went to the country for like quiet and tranquility, but then don't like the natural sounds of the country. Mm. Them city folk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's funny. Like, I can't say that because I'm like totally a city folk. I mean, I live in the country now, but I mean... (laughs) I can say it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, yes. But this sort of brought me to thinking about how, like, as human beings, we just, like, we just can't even handle being around each other anymore. Like, we have no patience for the noise or difference or anything that, like, anyone makes. Yeah. Like, we're so, I don't know. I don't know. Is egotistical or selfish the word? Um, maybe self-absorbed. Yeah, self-centered. I don't know that egotistical is necessarily spot on, but maybe one of those words. Yeah. Yeah, we're just like we're so selfish that if anybody makes any noise that offends us whatsoever, like we just can't get over it, and and just accept that sometimes people do things or have activities that might disturb your delicate sensitivities. And I say that as somebody that admits to having an, like an audio issue. (laughs) 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 And even I try to like catch myself and like just be more, more patient with people and more understanding of like things that people want to do. Right. Because I have the thing where if I hear somebody chewing, I want to stab them. I have that um, issue. (laughs) But you're like, I want to eat at a restaurant, so I have to accept that people around me are going to be chewing. Right, right. (laughs) And usually in that atmosphere, it's not so bad. But that was like a prerequisite to somebody that I could marry someday was that they didn't chew with their mouth open. Oh, yeah. Um, Because it bothers me that much. And I think it's because my dad ingrained that into me so much that you couldn't do that. So I find myself getting after my stepkids now. They also, um, after they haven't been with us for a while, they scrape their teeth against the fork Oh. which is like nails against chalkboard for me too so yeah. it's like there are ways to politely redirect that behavior <laughs> going to court <laughs> over it probably not worth my time <laughs> you know yeah no probably not do I chew with my mouth open I'm curious no I have like no no okay good no that's how I knew we were gonna be fine too <laughs> I was like Whew. oh she doesn't slurp she doesn't chew with her mouth open we're good <laughs> Well, it's probably because I'm a little, like, sensitive in the audio department, too, so I intentionally try to do things that don't make a lot of noise. (laughs) Yeah, same. But, like, we just, we live in a world where we can't control the noises that everyone makes. Like, we have, uh, there's a, what what is it? It's like a military base of some kind. I can't remember which one it is. But they have fighter jets that fly over our house really low several times during the month. So there's constantly, like the sound of you you know that like whooshing sound that really loud airplane sound like that goes over our house several times a month and usually when it starts it lasts for several hours so are you gonna take them to court no I'm not gonna take them to court I'm just gonna (laughs) figure (laughs) that that's part of like that's just part of living on this earth is that other people make noises and you'd think that the animals would be super bothered by it but they don't even seem to notice it anymore because they're totally (laughs) used to it we have hunters hunting behind us like 
it's been the 4th of July all month. So fireworks have been going oh, off yeah. all the time. They're totally fine. Like we just, we need to be more patient with each other as humans and be like, well, yeah, noises happen. I remember you saying too, like when, um, we were at coop camp and people are going to be like, gosh, Sam, shut up about coop camp. Um, but we were at the airport hotel, essentially, like we weren't like right next to the airport, but the airplanes were flying super low or what felt low over the hotel and you could hear them. Yeah. So even when we were trying to go to bed, we could hear those. And that was just another noise we weren't used to. Yeah, because we live in the country. So we're used to it yeah. being relatively quiet, except for maybe there's a lot of cows lowing. There's a lot of roosters crowing around here and yes. there's coyotes and whatnot and dogs uh, barking. Yeah, a lot of jackasses driving up and down my road extremely fast. I <laughs> yeah. That too. You <laughs> that should know. Too. You edit all that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my 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 can't even turn into like a Bev Salty about people complaining corner, but <laughs> Hey, that's fine. That's all right. Yeah. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I really hope that that rooster wins though, because I, yeah. Me too. I, I just, I, I find, I know that rooster crowing can be annoying to some people, but I actually find it kind of relaxing. And thankfully my neighbors do too. So Sam, what can't you even about this week? So mine kind of took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole, or should I say a sheep hole? Um, <laughs> so our, the guy that is across the road, he doesn't live there, but he rents the barn out, um, because he boards horses and does the cart racing for horses. I think I've talked about him before. But Matt told him that we had goats, like baby goats. And he asked if we docked the goats' tails, like sheep tails are docked. And I'm like, uh, what? So <laughs> I had to Google it. Um, it turns out that most sheep do need to have their, t- their uh, tails docked. Um, and there's... A, a very specific reason for that. So it turns out that um, humans have domesticated sheep. And I'm sure you're like, well, duh, Sam. Um, but we started like way back in the day to choose ones with long, fat tails because we really liked eating fat back in those days. I mean, so, I still do. <laughs> I mean, I do too. <laughs> fat tastes better. Fat equals flavor. <laughs> that is why I could do the ketogenic diet for a while because I could still eat all the fat. Um, so... Uh, as with everything that we humans tend to do, especially when it comes to altering animals through selective breeding, we took it a little too far and arrived at the point where the vast majority of sheep cannot lift the full length of their tails. So we shifted from eating them to, you know, breeding them to have wool. Um, so they became a different, there was a different purpose for them and wool is much more absorbent than like a, just like a hair, um, which is mostly self-cleaning. Um, but as a result with the wool, there's a constant risk that the wool on the tail can become soiled with urine and poop and remain moist, which creates the perfect breeding ground for flies. So unlike any other domesticated livestock, like cattle, goats, buffalo we created a set of conditions that put sheep at an increased risk for infection um especially around with these thing called blowflies which um you know the tail is so heavy that it can't lift it out of the way um when it goes to the bathroom and so the 
wool is covered in shit, which attracts flies, right? So they are at risk for um, a condition called fly strike, which is very painful. And it's caused by those blow blow flies that lay their eggs on the sheep. And then the maggots burrow into the flesh and poison the sheep with an ammonia they secrete. Um, And as the skin of the sheep becomes irritated, additional flies are attracted, and a sheep can die within three to six days of onset of fly strike. Um, So docking the tail uh, has not been shown to increase, to consistently improve growth rates um, of the sheep, uh, but it can increase feed efficiency, reproductive capacity, their weight gain, heat tolerance, that sort of thing. So it doesn't solve all the problems, but it does help quite a bit. Um, and you got to be careful when you dock the lamb's tail, um, because it's got to be just the right length. Um, if it's not, if it's too short, it's going to increase the risk of rectal or vaginal prolapses. And if you leave the skin bare around the anus or the vulva, um, it's exposed to the elements, which aren't good either. So... (laughs) Um, most hair sheep can be left undocked and some of the Scandinavian and dairy breeds have naturally short tails. Um, but the vast majority of sheep have to have their tail docked and there are like three different ways you can do it. Um, and the one that this main article that we'll link to the show notes, there'll be two links. Um, he prefers to kind of do like a rubber band, kind of like banding goat balls. Um, but for the tail, which is uncomfortable for the goat for a while, but you can also do like a, like a hot blade. And there's another one too that I found, but the banding one seemed like the most, uh, maybe I should say the least graphic one, even though the other ones would be quicker. So I thought that was really interesting. Cause I didn't know you had to do that with sheep. And if you have sheep and you're listening to me and you're like, wow, Sam, you're so silly for not knowing that. Yes. Yes, I am. But no, I know. And if you didn't know, now you know. So you're welcome. That's crazy. So I didn't realize that sheeps had their tails docked, but I have heard of something called muscling. Um, And the only reason why I know about it is it's like a, it's because I spin raw wool. So there was a movement within like the yarn community to get like muscling free wool. What's muscling? Muscling is where like they cut off like a patch of skin around that area to keep it from getting fly strike so i think they've experimented with like a couple different ideas i don't know which one is is less cruel Um, but i do know that letting an animal die of fly strike is super cruel too so yes it sounds freaking horrible yeah and any animal can get fly strike it's not just sheep like chickens can end up with it almost all of your livestock can probably end up with it in in some way or another if left with like soiled skin and they can't get away from the flies. Mm. So mm, that's really Poor interesting. Babes. Yep. But I just couldn't even that I did not know that. And that humans are the reason that we have to do this to them now because of our selective breeding habits. <laughs> I mean, you know, we just got done recording with uh Twain from Neutrina and that episode hasn't dropped yet, but we talk about, some of the things that we've bred into chickens <laughs> yes, <laughs> by our selective breeding habits. And sometimes we aren't so good at it. No, I guess it's not good when you play God, or, you know, or the universe or whatever you believe in. Yeah. 
there might be a reason that 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 sheep looked the way it did. Yeah. <laughs> and not just because you wanted to eat its fat tail. <laughs> that just sounds so weird. So we got a farm story this week. We did, and it's a doozy. It is. It's a good one. And it's one that we've been waiting for and that I've been really excited for because I've been following uh, this saga over the course of the last <laughs> few months. <laughs> yes. Saga seems like the appropriate term. Yeah. So we got this uh, We got this story through our email. Um, so if you've got anything that you want to share with fellow listeners, feel free to email us your farm story. It can be about whatever you want on your farm. We're pretty open. Yes. Indeed. So Sam, buckle up. It's a long one. Oh, I already read it. And I know. And I will say that um, the person who submitted this story did give us uh, permission to cut the story a little bit. And I did go through and trim just a tiny bit, but I didn't cut any of the content. Um and uh, so thank you, Katie, for allowing us to have some artistic liberty with it. But we really tried to keep the overall integrity and the feel of it put together for our listeners. So, yes, it is a long one, but it's a good one. Yeah, you're going to like it. So it starts by saying, my husband and I got into hobby farming this year when my mom innocently invited me to accompany her to her friend's house for some baby goat cuddles. That's never, that's always a disaster. Yeah. It's never innocent. <laughs> and you know what? Baby goats is how I got started into this too, so. <laughs> it's the gateway drug of cuteness. It really is. Yes. As of March 29th, we became the soon-to-be owners of three baby goats. Hank Williams Jr. Jr., Dolly Parton, and Patsy Klein. We knew they needed a guardian of some kind, and we already have five non-farm dogs and did not want any more. I knew it was hit or miss using a donk as a guardian, but we decided to start looking for a genet. On April 18th, we stopped at a neighbor's farm that frequently had six mini donkeys in the yard. The elderly gentleman gave us our mini, Reba. He was beginning to have a hard time caring for all of them, and she was likely pregnant, which we were fine with. He didn't know any time frame because she was in a pasture with two intact jacks 24-7. Ooh, mystery pregnancy. Yes. So fun. It's like Maury Povich. Like, <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> I mean, if there's anything you can say about people that live this hoppy farm homesteading life is that we're up for challenges. <laughs> yes. yes. Not knowing are. when your donk's going to give birth. Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted. I went over almost every day for two weeks straight. I got a two-year-old donk who had been haltered once in her life, rarely handled or brushed, and turned into a donk who came when I called her, went right into a round pen, haltered and walked on a lead with little to no objection. She let me kiss her forehead, and her previous owner told my husband that she wasn't the same donkey anymore, and she was mine in every way. Hmm. Transport on May 5th went better than expected, and she seemed to settle in well. I was able to brush her, and she went from being terrified of this scary barn to rolling around in her stall like a goober. We released her in the pasture for a bit because she was used to roaming six acres all day, every day. She stayed close to her barnyard all of the next afternoon when we let her free graze. 
We have a small creek bed that runs the length of our property. We live in a holler, so it literally gets water from most of the neighborhood's high property, and she didn't want any part of it when we unloaded her. It took me two, it took me and two grown men to get her across it, so we thought there'd be no way she'd jump the creek on her own. The next morning, I turned her loose, walked inside, and where'd she go? Across the creek, hanging out under an oak tree. I figured she'd be okay and wouldn't dare crossing the marshy bottom, checked on her 10 minutes later, and she proved me a fool yet again. This bish ended up on the opposite end of the property, teasing my husband's hunting dogs. I tried for three hours to get this little shit back in the barn, and finally had to give up and go to work. My husband tried again when he got home, and I joined him shortly after. When I got to her, she was chewing on mud and rolling all around. I decided to check her and her hind end was super swollen with a small bit of blood coming out. I booked it into high gear thinking she was in labor. It wasn't the prettiest lead as in, thank the Lord the ground was so soft from all the rain because at one point she pulled me back, causing me to slide back into the creek bank mud and then she jumped the creek and landed on my foot which sunk several inches into the mud. But we got her back in the barn and my foot was bruised but not broken. My friend who works at an equine ranch came to check on her because neither vet in our area would come out. She got us set up with medical supplies and came on call until she was ready. She also told me to check her once an hour. Reba wouldn't let Randy check her bag. I am assuming Randy's her husband. After a few hours, she calmed down and she let me check and there was no milk. So I went to bed with instructions to keep a close eye on her. The rest of the week, she had little to no changes. That Friday afternoon, the vet came over to vaccinate her and take blood for tests. He didn't seem hopeful that she was pregnant and said, she's a little too young for him to be certain if that barrel belly was just her being a fatty. <laughs> a week later, we got the results back. Her Coggins was normal and she was pregnant. Reba became super hormonal over the next two months. One minute, she loved me and wanted to cuddle, gave kisses and loved hugs. The next, she was trying to aggressively bite at me or push me. We made it through May and June with her continuing to hold her baby hostage in her ever-growing gigantic belly. I felt so bad for her because she was constantly sweating during the day. It's now the 4th of July. We went early to go to our community's first annual fireworks show. Something in my gut kept telling me we needed to run home. I told my husband we should go home and get the truck instead of sitting on the ground. And thank God I did because Reba was in super active labor when we pulled back up. She gave birth within 20 minutes to a beautiful silver baby girl. Flawless delivery. Reba started out doing very well. Then she got frustrated when the baby couldn't get up and something in Reba's mind snapped. She became very aggressive to the baby and couldn't decide if she wanted her by her or if she wanted to throw her across the stall. We finally had to tie Reba up and four people held her while the baby tried to nurse. And then there was no milk. None. We tried multiple times, multiple ways, gave her an hour to rest, and still nothing. The only thing we could come up with was that she was dripping milk so hard during labor that she possibly ran dry. She picked the baby up by her neck shortly after, and we separated them outside to let Reba settle down. Our neighbor Chris drove to the only vet's office that answered. When Chris got back, we decided to tie Reba up one more time while I drove to a friend's house to get a baby bottle. Reba kicked the baby in the chest very hard while I was gone, and my husband called it done for the night. Hmm. Baby and I posted up in the guest room in our house for the night so that my hubby could get an hour or two of sleep before work. Bottle feeding is not for the faint of heart. We were both exhausted, but she got the colostrum and full bottle of formula. 
On her second bottle of full lack, a few hours later, she stopped sucking and seemed to be having tummy issues. I decided to go ahead and take her out to Reba. Reba nuzzled her through the fence. I tied Reba off and told her we were going to fix this together. Her milk was in and she was so uncomfortable. I milked her and put her milk in the baby's mouth, all over her nose and all over Reba's teeth. It took about 10 minutes, but baby finally got it and went to town. You could literally see Reba relax. My mom and I watched them close until the vet got here. Reba didn't do, didn't do well attitude wise, but we got through it and he was super impressed with both of my girls. The rest of the day, they've been bonding. And I learned a rough lesson when I walked by them just a bit too close and Reba bit me for the first time ever under my armpit and she held on and pulled me towards her twice. Oh my gosh, that must have been terrifying. (laughs) I have a pretty wicked bruise and blood blisters swelling in the shape of her teeth, but I think we gained a new respect for each other once I punched her in the head to get her to let go. (laughs) Been there. (laughs) It's like punching a shark in the nose if he's got you. (laughs) I'm so grateful that baby is back with mama where she belongs, and I'm going to get more than 20 minutes of sleep tonight. Tomorrow is a new day, and we have a huge mess to clean up in the guest room. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I bet. (laughs) We're so grateful for everyone who offered advice or help, especially our neighbors. They were literally here the entire time, and we couldn't have done it without them. Our other neighbor brought us dinner for tonight, and my mama spent all day here with me. Hobby farming is hard work, but man, I love this life. Cheers, y'all. And that was from Katie Montgomery, which is at Sticky Holler Farms on Instagram. All the feels. I know. I've been following them since she got Reba because I was getting Herc around the same time she was working on getting Reba. Mm. So uh, she also didn't have any handling experience with donkeys either. So we kind of bonded on Instagram over that shared lack of donkey experience (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for sending that to us katie and as a reminder to everyone else if you have a farm story send it to drinkandfarm at gmail.com yeah and we'll read it on the podcast yes so now it's time for housekeeping corner yay and we've we've tidied up this corner so it is tight now you guys we realized super tight we were telling you to do a lot of things so we decided to simmer down a bit but we do want to remind (laughs) you that it is time for a field trip and that field trip is tomorrow um the naperville eel fest is july 13th at the neighbors settlement in naperville illinois and tickets are available at napervilleeelfest.com um and just to remind you there's going to be like 200 unique craft beers there live music, and some of Chicagoland's favorite food trucks, like Happy Lobster. I am, like, salivating thinking about the lobster roll I'm going to eat on Saturday. I'm very excited. (laughs) And if you're able to go and want to tell us hi, tell us in our Facebook group, um, We Drink and We Farm Things, or send us that email at at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. There we go. And review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit that subscribe button. And if you listen on YouTube, leave us a comment. We want to chat with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all. That's all. <laughs> that's we, all, folks. <laughs> we're just used to like saying like 10 things. 
we're working on it. We're tidying, yes. tidying our housekeeping up. Yeah. But thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate each and every one of you um, so, so much. And the podcast continues to find new people. And that just makes our hearts so happy. Yes, it really does. So drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things. Messy Mildred is the place to find everything you need to pamper your chickens or other fowl pets from beak to toe when you find dirty bum feathers in your flock. Choose from shampoos specifically formulated for feathers in amazing scents like lemongrass, tea tree, and lavender, or go full spa day with their new salty egg bombs made with Epsom salt, baking soda, citric acid, and organic essential oils to provide a non-toxic, natural, detoxifying, and soothing experience for your feathered friends. Gosh, it sounds like they're getting a better bubble bath than me at this point. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm a little jealous. Yes. The salty egg bombs and shampoos are the perfect way to keep your flock clean, happy, and healthy. So go to MessyMildred.com and use code DRINK15 to get 15% off your order.